the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights, yeah, a different city every night, oh, I, I swear, the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we're all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomkline.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at shalomkline. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. Uh, so let's jump right in. I'm so excited and thrilled to uh, get started with my first guest on the program, John Azoni. John is a video producer and storytelling coach working specifically with colleges and universities to automate their video storytelling through student testimonial content. I think that this is more important than ever um, right now in sort of this new age of academia and uh, a lot of things have changed in the past few years. So nobody better to talk to us about it than John. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely. John, I know you and your company unveiled, you've been solving a problem that higher education marketing leaders uh, have been having for quite a while and filling um, filling and telling their stories. Um, storytelling is a word that uh, I know you share a lot. So tell us a little bit about how you got started in this line of work. Yeah, um, I I worked a, for a production company um, here in the Detroit area for over a decade. Um, left there um, to start Unveiled uh, will be two years ago on Saturday, um, and uh, with the with the intent of uh, really focusing on higher ed and solving the problem that, of that that I know a lot of colleges have, which is that a video one video takes a lot of legwork uh, to produce. There's a lot of cats to herd. Um, to get all the all the ducks in a row, um, and at the end of that, you get one video. Um, but the but knowing that the you know colleges have a need to tell a lot of student or alumni success stories, storytelling is kind of an ongoing uh, effort that needs to be done. That's just something that you do once. Um, so I wanted to create a, a a way to remove the friction from. Um, you know, getting lots of videos made. Um, and so we created this this subscription model, which kind of automates that process. Sure. And as my dad would say, it's all widgets. And, um, and that means that, you know, a lot of the same things that apply in one industry are relevant in others. And that's why I'm so passionate about, you know, bringing you on and sharing your, sharing your story. And I hear your passion, your voice, even in just the moment or two that we've been chatting already. But you do things, uh, you know, very different. Um, there's a lot of companies out there. Every university hopefully has a website. Um, but you, you certainly tell stories, which is unique. And you just alluded to that flat monthly fee, that subscription model, which is unique. So what is something that it, from the higher ed space, uh, let's start there, that you find that they're not doing enough of in colleges and universities as it relates to their marketing? Yeah, I think, um, uh, colleges and, and, 
and again, like you said, this, this is really applies to every industry because I noticed this um, so much at my uh, previous job at a production company where we worked with a lot of various clients in all kinds of industries is that I would say, you know, uh, organizations in general just aren't telling actual stories. You know, they, they, the storytelling word is a buzz, is, is a buzzword. Um, and I think people misunderstand what that actually means. Um, and they think that means, you know, put some, uh, a dump of information on a video to an inspiring sounding song and they've done storytelling. And that's not true. That's a, a lot of quote unquote storytelling that, that goes on, uh, are not actually stories at all. They're just, they're just dumps of information here we are, you know, here's our school, here's what we do, here's why we're great, we're great, everything's awesome, and uh, come, you know, apply to our school. And that's not a story. <laughs> so what, what makes a good story, uh, John? I have to ask, I, you know, like you said, this is relevant to everybody. What makes a good story and why is it such a, a powerful marketing tactic? Yeah, what makes a good story, I think, is something, uh, you know, let's just say, talking from a student perspective, a student having um, something other that, you know, that they've been through that kind of leads to talking about the school. So maybe they're a first generation college student um, and, you know, they're, they, their family immigrated from another country. And so that's, that's how we get into that, you know, the information about how great the school is that they've ended up in. But the story really is about um, their journey of, you know, pay, carving a new path for their family. Um, uh, for, for uh, you know, another case that might be um, single working mom who um, has, wants to be a good example to her kids and, and really follow her dreams. And she's decided to go back to school. And so she's now uh, gone to such and such school and she's pursuing, pursuing her dreams, like kind of in the off hours uh, you know, after work and that kind of thing. And so like those, those are stories. Those are stories where you have some hurdle, um, a hurdle to jump over or multiple hurdles. And there's an element of transformation where it's like, I started here. Um, I went through, you know, these things and I, and, and I ended up here and, and this such and such school really helped me on that journey. So really the hero of the story is the student, not the school. Um, and so I think that that's really what makes a good story is um, really there being a story in a first, in the first place where there's like, you know, a series of connected events, this happened, then this happened, and then this happened. And there's an element of transformation there. Um, but also one where the student is uh, the, the, the subject of the story is the hero and not the organization, the school, the company. Okay, I'm fired up. I'm chatting with John Azzoni, content creator, video producer, working specifically with colleges and universities to automate their video storytelling through student testimonial subscriptions. This company Unveiled is uh, helping uh, higher education marketing leaders fill their content. And um, that's what we're talking about. But again, lots of lessons that uh, are applicable to each and every one of you entrepreneurs and business owners. And I know you're out there listening. Um, and we'll make sure you get in touch with John so you can learn more about his important work. So uh, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper. Consistency. One of the things that makes your company unique, John, is that subscription model, because I know you believe that that is the key to success, consistency. Why is that so important for our listeners to know as it relates to content marketing? Yeah, I mean, you can't just post one quality piece of content and then expect that to go viral and that's just going to carry you through the year. I mean, that's just, I mean, I don't think anyone would actually think that that's realistic. I, really, content marketing in general is an act of consistency. You have to show up 
almost daily, you know, every day, every, every social channel has its own sort of, uh, you know, optimized number of times to post what days to put whatever, but, but, you know, in large part, it's all about consistency showing up regularly. Um, and when, and with organizations that want to do video showing up regularly with video is tough because like, like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of legwork that goes into just creating one video. Um, and so that's why I think this, this subscription model is, uh, is really important. Um, and it not, not necessarily like that it has to be a subscription model, but just the idea of creating a system that allows an organization to be consistent and have that work of consistency taken off their plate. So they're not thinking about, you know, the, uh, they're not thinking about every, every day, what am I going to post? What am I going to post? How am I going to get another video? It's just there, you know, they're just, it's, it's there. We've already taken care of it and your job is just to distribute it. Um, and so I, so, so yeah, consistency is, is so important because, you know, you, you're like a mist in the wind, you know, in, in, with the algorithm, you know, you you post something today, tomorrow, people have forgotten about you. You got to stay top of mind for people and continue to show up and and build a brand presence day by day by day where people start to catch on and, 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 uh, uh, realize what your value is. And that's not something that you can just do once and check the box. Oh boy, absolutely. This is so important. And I know everybody must be taking uh, good notes and we'll make sure you get in touch with John Azoni and his team at Unveiled in just a moment. But last question for you before we have to uh, wrap things up over here is you just alluded something really, really important. Using the content you have, because everybody is putting so much work into their marketing. What last bits of homework and advice do you have for folks on how to use the content you have to build that database and build that library uh, that's so important on your social media website and so on. Yeah, chances are, I mean, I, I, I look at the world of marketing through video lens because that's just my world. Um, but, you know, chances are you have, you've hired a production company or you've had an internal video uh, team do work already. Um, and you have video content that you can cut up into multiple pieces of, of, uh, of content for distribution online. And what I encourage um, my clients to, to consider is the fact that not every post, not every time you show up for your audience has to be some major big thought. It can just be, um, a little snippet, some, you know, maybe you tape a, maybe you record a lecture or something from one mm-hmm. of your professors and, and you just, uh, take a 10 second snippet sure. from that. That's one day of content, you know, it's just repurposing awesome. what you got. That's good advice. Uh, John, I want to make sure uh, our listeners can get in touch with you. What's your website and uh, how, what's the best way to, to, to reach you? Yeah, I'm at um, unveiled.tv. That's U-N-V-E-I-L-D. Um, also on LinkedIn where I uh, post regularly um, and, and connect with people. Fantastic. John, as only thank you so much for sharing your passion, your expertise with our listeners. We'll link through our show notes as well which uh, as always are posted on our website, shellandclimb.com or on your favorite podcast app. We've got to squeeze in a very quick break here on the show about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. But again, we'll be right back. Lots more content information you don't want to miss. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. There is no question. I know every one of our listeners can agree with this statement. Remote work has revolutionized how we work. It supercharges productivity, blazes a path to work-life nirvana, 
And it's no wonder that nearly half employees, and that's a proven fact over here, continue to demand control over where and when they put in their paid hours. So why are businesses now, now having second thoughts? That is something that my guest, Tamara Sanderson, co-founder of Remote Works, an organizational design consulting firm with a mission to liberate teams from the ninth five and teach them how to do their best work anytime and anywhere has focused on. In fact, she has written a book, Remote Works, Managing for Freedom, Flexibility, and Focus. Tamara, welcome to the program. Thanks. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I know you have been studying this. You've been focusing on these uh, on these issues. Um, I have to ask, did you start this topic uh, before COVID or was that just a, uh, a, a aha moment and you just totally changed everything that you've been doing and decided to focus on remote work? Uh, no, definitely not a COVID moment. I think the COVID moment was actually that... Um, I don't think people were doing remote work correctly, but I've been thinking about remote work probably from day one of my career. I started out as a management consultant in 2006, and I was always trying to figure out a better way to combine life and work. Uh, and I also worked for one of the uh, largest all remote companies before the pandemic. So I saw how it could work very differently. Yeah. And your, your book, Remote Works, Managing for Freedom, Flexibility, and Folks, is a great read. We'll definitely send our listeners um, so they can understand the best practices. And I know you have a simple four-step process keeping remote teams on track, which is something every one of our listeners needs to know. So let's dive in. You start off your, in your book by discussing your remote state of mind. What is that and why does it matter? Yeah, so there's not one way to do remote work. And so our book is very much uh, choose your own adventure with a lot of prompts and questions and reflection activities and case studies. But a remote state of mind is one just, you know, you have to be able to work remotely, which means using technology for the most part. But the second part is uh, challenging the status quo because you have to get out of the behavior that you were used to in an office and start experimenting with different ways to get your work done. And so without questioning things, it's really hard to do anything unique with remote work. Yeah, I certainly, uh, certainly agreed. And again, for many of our listeners, entrepreneurs, small business owners, it is a remote state of mind. And whether you're an employee or a business owner, it matters. So how can a manager, let's focus on that demographic first, create a great remote work experience for their team, even if that larger organization is in flux? Yeah. So this is uh, essentially why we wrote our book. It is for teams. And I do think you can have a lot of autonomy with a group of 5, 10, 15 people, even if leadership is still going back and forth between it's okay to work remotely, come back in the office. It's okay to work remotely, come back in the office. That feels like you know kind of the dance that's happened the last three years. I think um, as a team, you can start creating up your own norms and how you want to work together. So I think as a manager, the two things you really need to think about is um, being really intentional and also being transparent. And if you can get those things done well, you can start working remotely. And by intentional, I mean you have to be very thoughtful about what you want your team to deliver. I a lot of times equate this to going from a high school to a college mentality. In high school, you know, kids come in, they have to be there for 40 hours, butts in seats, they have to listen, take notes, and it's very prescribed. Um, for people that you know, are fortunate enough to go on to university, it goes to a different mentality where at the beginning of the semester, there's a syllabus, there's expectations that are set, there might be a class once or twice a week, and then by the end of the year, or the end of the semester, students have, you know, completed different outputs, and they've learned a lot throughout that time, but they're not talking to the professor all day, every day. And so as a manager, you need to start thinking of yourself as a professor and how you can, you know, set expectations almost like a syllabus, and how can you check in in a really thoughtful way um, without being patronizing to your employees? 
Absolutely. Great advice. Again, I'm chatting with truly the subject matter expert on the topic of remote work. Indeed, she is the founder, together with her colleague, Allie Green, of Remote Works, an organizational design and consulting firm with Mission Delivery Teams. That's Tamara Sanderson. Uh, so, Tamara, uh, you continue to talk in your book. Again, it's called Remote Works, Managing for Freedom, Flexibility, and Focus, that teams need to manage three things to get those things done. What are those and how can those get done? Ooh, yeah. So I guess with like teams in general, what we're talking about is you need to like think through your team going through five stages of development and how you can work together to go through those stages remotely. So those are forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjourning. And so in our book, we kind of have a guide of going through those different concepts. And I think when you're thinking about remote teams, there can be this idea that there's friction, things aren't working. You might not be able to fix those as quickly um, that you feel like you can in you know person because you have like body language and you can read things. And so I just really recommend sticking with your team and like remembering that there are stages that not on day one do teams click. We use an example um, from Chicago, the Chicago um, we talk a lot about basketball, a lot of players from the Chicago Bulls, but also how the ones that were on the Olympic team uh, and like how it goes through a whole stage and like why certain teams form in different ways. So I think my recommendation would be to give it time and have different expectations based on how long your team has been working together. Sure. Well, on my website, shalomkline.com, I always ask people to uh, give me their questions, ask me for feedback and and sort of give me the, the, the topics that they want. And remote work is certainly one of the hottest topics. I get questions all the time, including this next question, which I have to ask you. I know my answer, and I'm feeling we're on the same page because I've read your book. People are always on these days. How can remote workers, again, whether you're the CEO or you're an employee, create a boundary between work and home? Yes. <laughs> um, so I actually remember when my boundary first got snapped, I got a BlackBerry probably about four or five months into my very first job out of university, and I felt that electronic leash. And so I think with these boundaries, you there's a couple things. I think, first of all, you need to set an expectation that your communication can be asynchronous, which means later communication, not always on communication, that there is something okay about answering email in two days if it's not important. Or not, not important, not urgent. Sorry, that's the the right term that I'm looking to use. Um, that it is okay to get work done fast. It's okay not to be available all of the time. It's okay not to check your Slack messages in the middle of the night. That that actually is like unhealthy behavior, and it will zap your energy on things that are not kind of top priority. Um, so I think first you can have like boundaries, which is like how you're using your technology. When do you turn off your laptop? When do you uh, put digital well-being things on your phone? When do you put your phone outside of your room? Things of that sort. Um, I think one thing that's difficult with remote work is you often have people working on different time zones and you have nonlinear schedules. So just because somebody else is working at a different time than you does not mean you also have to respond. And so as an example, my co-writer works in France and we wrote our book remotely. I live in Boston. Um, and there is this expectation that just because Allie pings me or I ping her, we don't have to respond immediately. So I think that's one thing with boundaries is just changing that state of mind. And then the second thing is like having really fun rituals to um, turn off. So I hated commuting. I get very car sick, 
but there is something really important about that transitional space between work and home. And so I recommend people have some type of ritual when they're like done with work. So go for a walk instead of a commute. Uh, We interviewed a lovely woman who is the CEO of a company and she basically puts her children to sleep and then she plays an hour of piano every night to like shut off between work and family life and personal life. And so I thought there was something really beautiful about that. So that would be my recommendation. And then like third is like get really excited about something besides work. Work can be very addicting. Um, There is a lot of addiction and dopamine with just answering emails and answering Slack messages. You can get really, you know, a rush from it, even if it's not necessarily achieving a specific objective. Um, and so, yeah, find things that you really love outside of work that you're really excited about. That could be like a great book or a hobby, cooking a nice meal, um, hanging out with people you love. And so getting really excited about those will make sure that you are um, prioritizing those things outside of work as well. Awesome. I've been chatting with Mary Sanderson, uh, founder of Remote Works and the author of Remote Works, Managing for Freedom, Flexibility, and Focus. I only have time for one more question. Tamara, I'm going to hold you to this uh, to this one on a one-word answer. Is remote Ooh. work here to stay? Yes. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's definitely a strong message for our listeners. So it's definitely important that we figure out how to do it right. I go back to the first question that I talked to you about, Tamara, about, um, you know, uh, sort of learning from COVID. You said that we need to learn how to do it better. You've given us some good tools how to do that. And I know your book um, is really the playbook, the ultimate playbook for managing remote teams and for working remotely, uh, professionally, efficiently. That book is called, again, Remote Works Managing for Freedom, Flexibility, and Focus. How can we get in touch with you, Tamara? Yeah, so I am very active on the LinkedIn. You can find me, um, my name on there, Remote Works. Uh, we have a website for our book, which is remoteworksbook.com. Uh, we would love for people to check out the book. It is available on Amazon and it is distributed through Penguin Random House around the world. So check it out. We love hearing from readers. Uh, if there's something that people find interesting, we'd love to have a conversation. So we are very accessible and the book was written in a very accessible manner as well. So, Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for, for sharing your passion, your expertise. I look forward to continuing our conversation more. Get down to business in just a moment. Okay, great. Hey, welcome back to Get Down to Business. If you have been listening to this program, and I know you have for 10 plus years, you know that I'm super passionate about local entrepreneurs, local small businesses. And that's why I've been so excited to bring on Laura catchburn um from Coldwell Banker uh, uh, Stratford Place uh, on the program. Laura and her team proudly served DuPage, Cook County, and surrounding areas by helping people buy and sell real estate. So Laura, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. There are a lot of folks that are involved in real estate. I'll just call it what it is. But you are you are one of a kind because you are uh, more knowledgeable, more experienced than many others that are out there. Why did you decide to get into the field of real estate? Let's start from the very beginning. So funny story. My cousin was in real estate. My father was a CPA. He wanted something to do in his retirement. And my cousin Joan wanted to own her own office. So those two got together with Carol Siska, who is now currently my partner. Carol and Joan were best friends, lived across the street from each other. So the three of them opened up a real estate office. I was pregnant with my second child and had no interest in sales at all. And my cousin Joan said, you need to get your real estate license. And I said, why 
would I ever get a real estate license? I don't like selling. And she told me to shut up and get my license. And here I am 33 years later. I never considered myself. 33 years later. 33 years (laughs) later. I'm really not a salesperson, to be honest. I just know what to do when you either want to buy the house or you want to sell your house. But you know what you do really, really well, Laura, is is the relationships. Because having that relationship is really, really important. And I know something that you do really, really unique, honestly different than any other real estate agent that I've ever seen is your marketing. I know you put a lot of pride into the marketing because you take people's properties like it is your own. And that's really, really important. Let's talk about your you and your team's unique approach. So that's exactly right. Um, we I, I do list every property as if it is my own house. So in the day, we used to actually go into people's houses and literally stage them ourselves. We'd bring in flowers and bowls of fruit and furniture and blow up beds and all kind of things like that. And uh, it would take us days to actually get a house ready for pictures. Then, of course, we have a professional photographer come out and take pictures and that sort of thing. But now, in, um, now that the new and approved version is, is that we, um, we now do virtual staging, which is much more time efficient. But, you know, I don't know how many people have gone onto different website and have seen pictures of other agents homes. And it really does sort of, uh, fry me that some of them, you can tell they took with their cell phone, there's dirty clothes on the floor, beds aren't made. And I'm like, you, you know, you literally have 30 seconds to grab somebody's attention and, you, you, you just got to put your best foot forward and you, you got to make sure that when that property comes on the market, that you're, it is perfect. The second you hit that button to go live on the MLS. Absolutely. I'm chatting with Laura cantrebone um, who is, uh, who is the subject matter expert on real estate, certainly in the DuPage and Cook County areas. But I know um, that you uh, put so much effort into any property uh, for any call that you get, frankly, which of course we'll make sure to share your phone number with our listeners in just a couple of minutes, um, and uh, and you'll learn about any property as if it is your own, and that's at uh, at Coldwell Banker. Um, quite a story, thirty three years in in real estate, so you certainly have learned a thing or two about the field. And while you may still not consider yourself a salesperson, you are a relationship manager, and uh, certainly you know a thing or two about negotiating, taking care of your clients. So. Uh, Laura, in our minute or so that we have remaining, what is the market like right now? What should our listeners know about real estate in the Chicagoland area? So a lot of people are afraid, I think, because interest rates are volatile and they're afraid to get out there and and buy something. And and a lot of sellers aren't selling because they don't want to give up their 3% interest rate. So, you know, we have um, low inventory. Uh, We still do have buyers out there. Um, it feels like there's a lot of buyers out there, but there really isn't. It's just because you have a handful of buyers and everybody's trying to buy the same property. But I will say that the uh, every house is still appreciating at a, a significant uh, percentage rate. So if you're thinking about buying or selling, it's still a great time to do it. That's awesome, Laura. I know every one of our listeners are nodding their heads vigorously because, again, whether they are... Uh currently in the market, they need to know who you are and jot down your information. So let's make sure we make it easy for them 
Laura, uh, you and your team at Coldwell Banker are uh, true professionals. How can we get in touch with you? What's the best? What's the best way? So my cell, I live by seven zero eight two one two four nine zero five. And I now will show that I've been doing this for so many years because my email address is S like Sam, P like Peter, Laura, L-A-U-R-A at AOL.com. It's my well, first email address. I'm not getting rid of it. <laughs> well, you know what? The, ordinarily, I'd say AOL, you know, I, 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 you know, question it, but certainly it shows that you've been doing this for a long time and that you're committed <laughs> to it and you've got right. the expertise to, to, to show for it. So Laura... Really appreciate your time. Let's share your phone number one more time. 708-212-4905. For all of your real estate needs in the Cook County and DuPage area, whether you're buying, selling, or just have a question, you will want to talk to Laura and her team at Coldwell Banker. Laura, thanks so much for joining us. I can't wait to have you back on real soon. Thank you. Take Quick care. Quick break. i get down to business. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. Uh, you can always get on my website, shellandclyde.com, uh, or you can get on your favorite podcast apps where you can subscribe, rate, review, and share. Uh, super easy, so you never miss a single episode. So I'd say in my 10 plus years of doing this show, I've only had um, a handful of folks that I've brought on more than once, and that's been intentional because I'm always trying to overload you with lots of knowledge, information, um, resources. And that's exactly why I'm bringing my next guest back on. You heard from her just a few weeks ago, but it's Patricia Moda. She is the CEO of the Chicago-based nonprofit, the Hispanic Alliance for Career Enhancement, HACE, for over 40 years. Um, uh, HACE has been committed to the Latinx community, specifically dedicated to the employment, development, and advancement of current and aspiring Latino professionals. You heard her passion just a couple of weeks ago on the, pro- on the program. But Tr- Patricia, welcome back to Get Down to Business. Thanks for having me back. Glad to be here. Absolutely. I know you're getting ready uh, for your annual National Leadership Summit in Celebration, April 20th through 21st. Um, for all of our listeners, never fear, because we're going to uh, make sure uh, that we share a lot about that upcoming event in just a few minutes. But please tell us about the creation of your very important organization's mission. Absolutely. Yeah. The organization was founded in 1982, so 41 years old, uh, national in scope. And and the mission then continues to be the mission we uphold today, which is to positively impact workplaces by cultivating the pipeline of Latinx, Latina talent, and providing the community the insight, access, and support to be successful in their careers. And we carry this mission, uh, we deliver on this mission uh, through three core areas. While we have been around since 1982, how we deliver on the mission, as you may imagine, has evolved over time. And today, it's through one, talent acquisition. So these are programs and services where we're actively connecting uh, job seekers, anywhere from interns to senior level talent to our employer partners. Uh, we've got about 200 corporate partners across the nation that we work with to help connect with this talent pool. Uh, two is, is what we consider our pipeline and leadership development program. So these are cohort model uh, trainings that could be anywhere from a few months to year long that include individual coaching, culturally relevant content, um, and most importantly, a strong support network across the nation awesome. where we have folks who are senior in their careers coming back and giving uh, speakers, subject matter experts, mentors, and those in the careers doing that for our students. And the That's awesome. And how do you get involved? 
Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the last area is around thought leadership. And this is the best practices in helping employers get involved. I got involved in 2010 as a program director at the time. I had, I had earned my graduate degree and was looking for an organization that could build and scout programs. And that's where it really became our core focus. My first project was Mujeres de Acid for Latinas, um, helping them advance and help close the pay gap and wealth gap that they experience. Um, and now since we have a whole array of, of, of leadership development programs and offerings. Um, again, I'm chatting with Patricia Moda, the CEO of a very, very amazing organization, HAC, uh, as you've just been hearing uh, Patricia's uh, passion uh, about the important work that they're doing in the Latinx community. It's incredible. And I know that you are having an upcoming national summit and celebration, April 20th through 21st. So first of all, are tickets still available? And uh, tell us a little bit about that, what's going to happen during yes. those two days. This is the second time we're doing hybrid, meaning that we have both in-person and virtual opportunities to engage. This is two full days of professional leadership development workshops for those that are seeking for tools and resources to, to, for, to get promoted in their career, to become more visible. Um, and, and those in, in talent acquisition or DEI roles that are looking for best practices and how to best connect with talents um, and what they can do internally and externally to help support um, the advancement of not only Latino, but diverse uh, ta talent that's underrepresented within their companies and organizations. That's awesome. And I know you are, again, the advocate around uh, DEI, uh, which is uh, just awesome. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about diversity for a moment. What are some of the issues, Patricia, that, uh, that Latinx professionals um, are facing today? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I myself being first generation college graduate, uh, Latina, Mexican American, daughter of immigrants here to in the U.S., um, have personally faced a lot of the challenges firsthand, uh, whether it's through education, lack of access and resources. But then as I got into my professional career, not seeing myself represented in leadership roles uh, across, let's say, corporate America, 4% of senior level roles. Um, are held by Latinos and 1% Latinas. And if you look at the demographics and the landscape, we are currently about 20% of the U.S. population. Um, but we also represent economic contributions, contributing at a 2.84 trillion GDP, meaning if we were a country, uh, U.S. Hispanic Latinos would be the fifth largest GDP. And so um, not only is it the right thing to do in terms of representation, but it, it's, a, it's an economic and a business imperative for organizations to ensure that they're hiring, retaining, advancing Latino and diverse talent. Wow. Um, that's, uh, that's incredible uh, knowledge and information. Um, and I want to dive just a drop deeper before we have to cut into uh, into break. What are some mm -hmm. companies um, that you're seeing, uh, what are they doing in terms of DEI practices and talent acquisition sort of accelerate and amplify the investment, hiring, and retention efforts for diverse talent and promoting those folks into leadership roles? Yeah, they understand the need for culturally relevant programming. They're investing in our mujeres de asset and our advanced uh, leadership program and having their talent go through that um, so that they know what is it that the tools and resources and the executive support that's, that's needed for them to advance in their career. And in tandem, we're working with these corporations to be able to support, support them with the resources, tools, uh, best practices, so that internally um, they're setting up equitable practices so that they are hiring, advancing um, talent throughout the organization as well. Awesome. Well, again, I'm chatting with Patricia Moda, um, and uh, she and her amazing organization, they're having an awesome, awesome uh, celebration, um, uh, April 20th through 21st. 
um, that you certainly don't want to miss. Uh, and we'll definitely make sure that we link to the important work at the Hispanic Alliance for Career Enhancement in just a moment. Go to a very quick break, and we're going to continue our conversation with Patricia in just a moment, so don't touch that dial. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. I'm chatting with an innovative trailblazer, startup entrepreneur, connector, public speaker, and compassionate leader who is the CEO, president and CEO of the Hispanic Alliance of Career Enhancement, Enhancement um, H-A-C-E for short. Um, we've just been chatting about some really, really important topics relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and hearing a little bit about Patricia's story, which is truly very, very inspiring. So inspiring is what you do, Patricia, and I know that you are uh, paving the future for H-A-C-E and for Latinx individuals and for other diverse populations that want to work executive leadership role. So what are what are some of the things, Patricia, that you see in the future of the organization? How are you getting there? Absolutely. Well, one is uh, to recognize and to celebrate. As you mentioned, we're celebrating our National Leadership Summit, but it's also a milestone in, in for our Latina Leadership Program, Mujeres de Assets, the 15th anniversary. Uh, and so we're doing a, a special brunch celebration during the summit. And we're calling it a quinceañera, which is culturally relevant because when a young woman turns 15, we do a big quinceañera. Uh, in our in Latino culture. Uh, and then our annual awards gala, which is the evening of, of Friday, April 21st. And so as we recognize and celebrate where we've come, as we look in the future, we're really honing in on accelerating equity with action and accountability. That's our theme for the year, meaning doubling down on best practices, things that are working, but also innovating and trying new things that really help us not only close the gap, but accelerate the time that has been lost for folks that perhaps are, are under... Um, you know, resource under have been undervalued in, in their organizations. Awesome. Awesome. So when a uh, young man or woman comes to uh, HAC, uh, again, whether a student in high school or college, a professional in transition, whatever the case may be, and they come to you and your team, I know you've got a lot of programs. You've already alluded to yeah. earlier in our conversation. What does that process look like? What are some of the uh, tools that you have in your toolbox to be able to take care of them? Yeah, our youngest demographic is high school and college students that we work with, and they get to participate through our uh, programs, which are career development, access to visible Latino role models, right? Many of them being either first generation, thinking about college or or thinking about trades or thinking about opening entrepreneur, being an entrepreneurship. Uh, they have access to those uh, visible role models through ASSET. Um, and then the tools and the resources in terms of how to get a mentor, how to prepare for, for your elevator pitch. Uh, dressing for success. So all of those key things that perhaps as as a first gen, gen going into professional workforce, we may not be, and we, we're not talking about at home. Um, they can get that through through our organization. Uh, we call it H-A-C-E or ASE. If we pronounce it in Spanish, they can be a part of that. Fantastic. Patricia, um, you're really, really uh, inspiring the important work you're doing. And I know that we're going to continue to uh, follow your amazing, amazing efforts at the Hispanic Alliance for Career Enhancement um, over the uh, next, uh, I know, many, many years for sure. And uh, Patricia, one of the best ways that I know that we can support your important work and learn more is certainly finding out about this upcoming celebration. Um, But you've got a lot of information on your website. What's the best way to get in touch? 
Yes, if you go to haceonline.org, uh, you can find more information. Um, there's also, and I know we mentioned this event, but it's our big fundraiser for the year. Um, and part of that fundraiser is we do give away scholarships to, to students um, throughout the nation, uh, both undergrad, grad students. Uh, we're awarding 20 scholarships this year. Uh, and so whether you can join us in person or join us virtually or you're not able to join us but want to consider making that donation, whatever amount counts uh, to help us with our mission, that's always greatly appreciated. And again, the, the website is haceonline.org. Congratulations on your important work. I, uh, I know everybody will find your leadership programs fascinating, um, the, all of your important resources. And again, I look forward to bringing you back on real soon. Patricia Moda from the Hispanic Alliance for Career Enhancement. Thanks so much for joining us again on the program. I look forward to having you back on real soon. Thanks, Shalom. Of course. And that's a wrap for us here on the show, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You can always get in touch with me through my website, shalomkline.com. Again, subscribe, rate, review, and share on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to support our sponsors, Tom Marabali from Health Insurance, healthplanchicago.com. Uh, to success, let's get down to business. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.